welcome to another episode of Game Till 5. This is an introduction and my name is Steph and I have a co-host and it, it it's called Nikki. It is called Nikki and it's taken us three intros to get here. Which is why my intro is good. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the first one but it's, yeah. It's gone de- forever now, I've deleted it. Now. It will never come back. Anyway, what are we doing here? As always, we're going to talk about our top fives in video games. Uh, this week, we're going to get all nostalgic and return to the 90s. It's my favourite place to be. Right. And talk about, uh, video specifically, uh, PC games from the 90s. Because I owned a Windows 95 and did a lot of my gaming on that when I was a wee creature. <laughs> yeah, same. I think I own, like... I don't even know what one I owned, but I know I owned one like from the beginning, of, not time itself, but definitely the beginning of like Windows ninety five, ninety seven, ninety eight, all that kind of bullshit. Yeah, not Acorn. Although I did play on no, an Acorn. No, I think I did I have. Young. I think my nan had an Acorn. I loved it. Man, your nan had it going on. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't like, is too young to understand. Probably just sounds like we're just talking about an actual seed. My nan had an Acorn. We played games all night long. It was a hoot. <laughs> but yeah the 90s pcs yes those words in that particular (laughs) order um so as normal uh i've got five games that i want to talk about and nikki has got five games that she wants to talk about presumably and we're going to share these with each other and talk about why we like them and all the good things or maybe we don't like them and we just like talking about them but that's that's gonna happen i feel like i'm doing awful at this intro because the uh the wind has been knocked out of my sails and time is ticking on it's late at night but we'll we'll do it we'll get there we'll do it and i think this is going to be a good episode because from doing all my research for this i really did fall in a hole of just 90s nostalgia and i just went overboard um (laughs) i've only got five don't worry i've not i'm not coming with like 20 but um I just, I don't know. I'm presuming, like, I feel like you've gone super 90s all week and you've been walking around in 90s fashion and listening to all the 90s jams because that's what I think of when I think of you. I like to live and breathe my top fives. <laughs> Every week. You should have seen her when we did Villains last week. She was <laughs> so mean to me all week. I donned my moustache and my monocle. I was... I was out there in villainous. Causing crimes and havoc wherever she went. But anyway, I think with this one, I don't know. I, just, I think it's, it's got a lot of nostalgia attached to it. And I did have to to, to go onto the YouTubes and investigate <laughs> some of my potential top fives. Because nostalgia definitely clouds things. And I found some interesting games out there that I played as a youngster that are questionable now. Yeah, it's also like you remember you have such vivid imagery in your head of what these things look like and to you they are like now graphics and even further beyond and really when you look at them you're like this doesn't seem like the game that I played but I'm pretty sure this is what it was. I think as well like I played a lot of these at a very young age so a lot of them I find I must actually say just before I actually did go into them I was pretty terrible at all of these games. Um, if they weren't designed for children, because I think a lot of these, I was probably about seven, eight or nine, which is the age I w- when most of them came out. I was pretty shit at them. So like I say, I played them, but I probably was just <laughs> just sat in my seat, just being a child with, you know, covered in dirt, pressing buttons. Yeah, you think you're doing well and you're playing a level, yeah. but really you've just run around in circles for like 
you know, yeah. an hour. But I spent a lot of time doing it, so therefore they're in the list. Yeah, you had a good fun time doing it, <laughs> even if you did terribly. I think yeah. that's going to be very similar for mine. Um, and yeah. I think I watched more videos this week than I normally do because I just I wanted to watch these things, and I really want to download a lot of these games oh, and same. replay them. And even the ones that I'm not going to mention, I just I'm going to have to play them at some point. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go to gog.com and get some downloads on. Yeah, you are. Yeah, but anyway, let's uh, let's get into this shit. Yeah, let's get this wagon moving. <laughs> what are you buying? How about a game of lucky hit? Oh, a three-headed monkey. That was our top five intro, and that means we can start our top fives. Yeah, and I think it's your turn to go first this week, milady. Oh, what a fantastic. In that case, my number five for top PC games of the 90s is MDK. Um, I don't know if you ever heard or played this game uh, when you were a kid, but I'm pretty sure it came free with my Windows 95 computer. <laughs> no, I don't know what any of those letters are. It was uh, released in 1997 uh, by Shiny Entertainment, who I don't know if they exist anymore because I've never heard of them other than to do this game. It was mostly a third-person shooter. I say mostly because it had some minigame style things in and you had first-person sniper abilities and you could jump around with some kind of weird parachute on your back. It kind of looked a bit like ribbons. I don't understand how it was aerodynamic at all. Um, if I could find you a picture, maybe I'll post one on our Twitter or something because it's it's weird. It, I don't understand how it works. It's just like someone's attached ribbons to your back and you're just jumping. But somehow they collect air. Yeah, I've not heard of this game. I'm uh, I'm intrigued. It looks a bit strange. Um, so it was a bit. I think probably one of the darkery things that I played as a kid. Um, normally I would be too scared to play any of these games, but for some reason MDK I. I didn't. It was kind of a little bit grungy looking. The story was, and the story is really long-winded, but I enjoy it, so I'm going to tell you about it. So basically it starts off, and there's some space guy, and I can't remember his name, I think it was like Dr. Something, and he thinks he <laughs> discovered... descriptions. <laughs> I was playing the game, and there's like some guy, and he's like Dr. Something, and he's like, does a thing. Sorry, go on. I'm sorry. I really should do more research and actual writing before these, but I just kind of go... I just kind of make myself notes, and I think that will be fine. Some I'll remember space what that means. Guy. There's a so there's a scientist man, Doctor Something, because I really didn't write down his name. Um, and he thinks he finds a space discovery, and he calls that Flange Orbits, and everyone laughs at him because he's come up with a terrible name for something, and they're like, "This doesn't exist," and you're shit at naming things. Um, and he's so determined that he has this right that he builds himself a space station so he climbs on up his space station because that's how it works you can climb to space and he goes i'm gonna prove it to you and then he lives up there for like a year and so your character his name is kirk hectic which is a brilliant action name uh but you're a janitor by description normally you basically get bribed aboard this spaceship with your weird doctor friend with goulash soup because apparently that's all it takes to go to space Basically, you're up there with with your boss, the the doctor man, 
and he's trying to prove his theory for like a year or something it comes up with and it basically says you know what actually that's not real your boss was actually shit and his discovery wasn't true so you know how normally in these games it's like some bad scientist thinks they come up with someone nothing like no one believes them and they eventually turn out to be right and everyone's like shocked he turns out to be wrong um so you're in space for a year um by which times this man makes a dog and does some other stuff um (laughs) this is what i mean it's a really long description of how this game gets into it um but basically he's up there for so long he eventually does discover something and he discovers that aliens are coming to earth to smush us and he makes a suit basically to stop them but the only person up in the space center that can wear it is you the janitor because apparently he's too old and his dog has too many legs and that's uh that's what happens so you're sent down there to uh, attack all the aliens and basically the game is you attacking the aliens are you sure this is a game and not just some like weird story you made up from your childhood <laughs> just a fever dream that i had last night probably <laughs> no i seriously I've, I've googled it and um i don't understand what's what's going on with his head but right his suit the special suit that the doctor made is kind of a bit like a xenomorph from aliens like it's creepy and you've got a weird mm. kind of pyramid head from uh silent hill but that's what you're wearing well, that's the your picture fashions. i'm looking at he's wearing a nice like latex black suit and you can see the contours of his buttocks <laughs> nikki's having a good time <laughs> just an observation yeah i but that's where your <laughs> eyes went well, yeah uh, it's all there was to see, really. Um, no, it looks really messed up, but I like it. Yeah, um, it's a fun game. Uh, it's a lot of, like, jumping around and shooting stuff, you know, like, in general, it's a fun game, besides the weird, crazy story. Um, it's a little... I always think, like, it's a little different from normal shooter games, because um, you kind of get given weird collectibles every so often. Like, you get given grenades and mortars and stuff, but they're kind of, like there for a purpose so you get a special kind of bomb called i think like uh the world's smallest nuclear explosion and it literally can only be used on a door like as an unlock it's basically a key and you set off this tiny (laughs) nuclear explosion outside the door and you'd think that would work really well on a bunch of aliens but apparently no it's just only good for opening doors oh fair enough if you're gonna do it do it in style yeah right but yeah, there's some weird parts. You jump out of a plane at one point. I just remember not... Again, I don't remember getting very far on this game. I just remember jumping around a lot and shooting things and kind of having a good time doing it. So, to be fair, that's, that's what I did for most of my old PC games, I think, from the 90s. It's just... I didn't, you didn't really know how to play them. You're probably not very good at them, but you just kind of, like, you know, play around with it and just fail. But it's fun. Exactly. I think that's what I spent a lot of time doing with this game. Yeah. Failing drastically. And flailing drastically, I think. I don't remember being good. There was this, like kind of a sniper bit where you zoom in with your weird head thing um, and uh, you can shoot people like properly, like precisely. Um, I don't remember being very good at that. And they even hold up little bullseyes for you, the alien people, but, you know, just oh, to be they, nice. They try and help you. They just piss you. <laughs> oh, she's so shit. Let's try and try and help her out a little bit. There you go, love. You're only a woman. Have some shit. <laughs> yeah, well, it was the 90s. They probably would have done that. This is true. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that game. Um, I'd like to tell you more about it, but there's not really much more to MDK other facts? than it's a fun 30 shooter. Um, I do have some facts. Um, so a couple of them aren't that interesting, but so the main guy is uh, his name is Kurt Hectic. Um, and this was inspired by two 
separate sources. So in the early stages of development, uh, some of the team saw a film called Naked, in which I think the main character says to a junkie, uh, what is it like in your head? Hectic? And apparently uh, the two creators of the game really loved that line so much. They decided that Hectic needed to be in the name of the character somewhere. Um, and they were trying to think of a first name because they were like, right, Hectic work as a, works as a surname, so we're going to keep that. And they were trying for ages to try to think of a first name. And they wanted to name him after someone who lived a notoriously hectic life and finally settled on Kurt Cobain. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It kind of works. I kind of yeah. get where they were going with that. And in the junky kind of way that it's supposed to. So his name is now Kirk Hectic, which I really love as a name. That is cool. It's like max power. Is that what you're going to call your first child? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I thought you were going to call it Nikki. Oh, sorry to disappoint. It'll probably just be called Dr. Something. So, you know, in my naming. <laughs> yeah. I don't but know. at least I gave it a degree. Yeah, exactly yeah um and the second fact i have is that uh the meaning of mdk has never been revealed uh nobody knows what it stands for um there are theories about it um the gaming press and general fans adopted murder death kill but other possibilities are apparently in the game's manual one of the missions is named uh mission deliver kindness um (laughs) Apparently, it could also stand for the initials of the game's characters. Max, Dr. Hawkins. Oh, Dr. Hawkins. There you go. That's the doctor. And Kurt. So, um, Dr. Hawkins and K, but I don't think that's very good. That is probably the more rational one. Well, apparently, in the readme, because, you know, old games used to have readmes, which I loved, um, and I don't think I ever read, uh, it stated that it stands for whatever we can be bothered to stand for for any given day. And... For today, it stands for Mother's Day Kisses. <laughs> so they just changed it every day. Yeah, right, no, it's great. I, kind of shows the weird sense of humour that I think the developers had when they made it. Yeah, I like that. They're just like, we don't know what to call this game. Let's just call it this, like, three letters, and then we can just decide what it is on any day. I think that's pretty cool. Exactly. It's and I think it kind of speaks volumes for it. It's like a bizarre game that nobody really knows what's going on, but you kind of just enjoy it anyway. And you'll find some doctors and some weird suits. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's probably about it for my number five. Okay, cool. Right, before we go any further, I think we forgot to mention our, our beetle drop for, for when we oh, have a crossover. Yes. Um, do you want to explain the beetle drop then, Nikki? Uh, yeah, so when we both have the same thing and somebody gets there first then Beetle makes this lovely noise. Oh! And then we curse loudly. Yeah. We hate each other forever. Yes. And the podcast ends and no one talks to each other. Never again. Well, for about a week. Yeah. And then we'll resume normal business. Um, So I must say for all of my... Well, not all of them, most of them. I've quite big backstories, but I'll, I'll try and keep it short. Um, I just, just, yeah, went a bit mad, but it's okay. I'm going to yeah. swiftly move on to my five. Okay. And that is Dungeon Keeper 2. Oh, nice. So Dungeon Keeper 2 is basically a strategy game. 
uh, set in a dungeon, obviously, which was made by Bullfrog Productions and published by Electronic Arts in 1999 for Microsoft Windows. Ooh, right on the edge. Yeah, so I was glad about that. I actually thought that I played Dungeon Keeper 1, but I realised that it was Dungeon Keeper 2 that I was playing because it was just one of those things I never really like. I didn't play it again since I was like young. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's obviously it's a sequel to Dungeon Keeper 1, where the player basically takes the role of a dungeon keeper, building, defending and making an underground dungeon, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and basically, your your you as a player basically have to like rescue. I say rescue; they're not really alive. You have to like take the gems um, from each area, and then you open a portal. Blah 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 blah, that kind of thing. But anyway, <laughs> I loved it because I loved building, and I liked putting creatures in my building in my dungeon, and then killing shit. Yeah, I can see the appeal of this game. I don't think I ever played it, but I can definitely see the appeal. And I love bullfrog uh, yes. games in general. Yeah, because um, they did theme park world, right? Yeah, so yeah, they did mm. theme hostel, theme park, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. And I remember I, I think I just like stumbled on this one day because a lot of the time I would just find games on the family computer that my brother would have like installed and downloaded, and I just been like, ah, oh, I'm just gonna play this. Um, no one really supervised me, so I probably shouldn't have been playing this game because ran wild. Kind of had a bit of a dark, uh, like sense of humor to it mm. but it was really really fun basically it has that kind of similar thing where you build um and you basically recruit minions to help run the dungeon for you and defend it from enemy invaders uh you like the main control is a hand um so you use that to like pick up creatures and put objects and build and all that kind of stuff um yeah i really liked it there's also a really cool narrator to it as well who's really really um, I just oh he's a really good voice actor I should have included it in my voice act mentions but I did a bit of research into who he was and his name is Richard Riding and he's been in a lot of British stuff like TV shows and I think he's in a few movies um, but he also played uh, so you all know this he played King Leonhard in Nino Cooney 2 that little appearance yeah. that happened in the game that I haven't got to yet um, <laughs> and he's been in like a few other things like Red Dwarf for anyone that knows British oh, nice. comedy. Um, but yeah, like he was a really awesome voice actor and I think that he kind of made the game seem as kind of dark and humorous as it was. Because it was definitely like not a serious game. It had this kind of underlying dark kind of comedy to it. So you said you never played it? No, but I'm just looking at screenshots now and it looks great. I'm, yeah. I, and I see what you mean about the comedy thing. I'm currently mm. looking at a screenshot where uh, a, there seems to be a casino in this dungeon. Yes. <laughs> So the, the creatures and the imps and everything could uh, could actually gamble. It was a bit random. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, there's actually a fact to that as well, which I'm just going to put in now, where basically once you build a casino and you set the bar at generous, basically when one of the monsters that you have wins the jackpot, the jackpot, sorry, the advisor will loudly announce jackpot, jackpot winner. And then the disco inferno begins. Um, so the song begins to play and all the monsters start to dance disco dancing to be precise that sounds fabulous with their own style and moves uh it only lasts for a few minutes but it's glorious this just <laughs> sounds like a fantastic game you get to be a yeah. hand and make some <laughs> dungeons and then disco inferno can happen at yeah. any moment these, it's these are things i like in games this is a game that i really have not played since i was young and i think for me it's hard to know whether or not it's aged well because i haven't played it since then from what i've heard I think one apparently is aged a little bit better than two, but it was still just a really fun game. And I, I yeah. got a lot of, heat, like, you know, good times out of it. Um, the thing as well, though, that I was reading that I remembered is, uh, like the first game, basically the creatures can be slapped to make them work harder at the cost of their health. And I remember oh that. Oh, my goodness. You could, like, brutally, like, slap them around the face to, like, 
and they would make like noises and stuff it was really sad that is sad i'm glad that you said sad then instead of it was really <laughs> it was really inspiring. exciting <laughs> I, no. I loved it i got to be a proper pimp i just don't think all my bitches <laughs> i just don't think that you'd be able to have that kind of thing in games anymore you know i feel like i feel like the creatures would have rights now it's, this this is very true they probably would they probably sign a petition <laughs> you'd uh you'd be you'd have to invested. pay the minimum wage oh god yeah fuck that yeah no i much prefer the labor times <laughs> but no i didn't really slap my creatures i um i treated them with respect until one got out of line oh yeah and then i punched them in the face good <laughs> <laughs> there was also a really cool thing to it now i don't know if this was in dungeon keeper one but in dungeon keeper two this is one reason why i really love the game was it was top down view like bird's eye view yeah but you could use a possession spell to basically take over one of your creatures so you could see and move around from their point of view and i freaking loved it it was for me it was like oh my god this is like the best thing ever to be in like a 3d environment suddenly and to actually see the dungeon that you've been making from a 3d view it's kind of like if you you like you know in theme park when you eventually you could see down your park from like your own perspective like from a natural perspective yeah. oh it blew my mind um my little seven-year-old mind oh not seven no i was nine <laughs> sorry i aged myself you don't even know where you are in time <laughs> um but yeah i thought that was really cool and also a cool little fa- like feature for that is whatever creature that you inhabit their view will be like specific to them so uh like for example the fly has an insect like hex shape when you look through their eyes when you move around and the hellhound yeah. sees in black and white which is i thought was like a really cool little thing that is very cool yeah so uh my actual my last fact of this one because i've sort of like weaned them in there in between this time is that the the dungeon keeper so basically the guy that you hear speaking like voiceovers um can apparently keep tabs on system time so apparently if you play too late into the night the advisor will tell you out of the blue with no warning your nocturnal presence has prompted the following secret hint go to bed which i thought was really funny (laughs) <laughs> that's really cool it's not yeah. often you get told other than nintendo to stop playing a game yeah so i thought that was cool and he's a really cool guy as well but yeah that's that's it really i just that game sounds great yeah i wish wanted to put it on the end there because it was definitely just one that i remembered having a really good time with so yeah definitely no it sounds good and i can see it's on gog so you know yeah i can i can try it out yeah but yeah that's my that's my number five awesome i liked our number fives different not where i thought this was going um and because this is not where i thought it was going i'm gonna i'm gonna take us down a weird road with my number four um i have put this in purely because childhood me played it a lot and i was like five when this came out so it's going in it is uh timon and pumba jungle game <laughs> All my street cred I've built up from having cool games in my my lists, I've ruined in one fell swoop. But I don't care because it was the shit. So sorry, sorry. it was so it was released in 1995 when the height of you know Jungle uh, Jungle Book. This is not from the Jungle Book. Uh, from Lion King was like in its top peak of all children and i was a big lion king fan when i was a kid and uh it was developed by a company called level seventh level um it also came out on the snes uh developed by somebody else for snes i didn't write that down because i didn't care about the snes because we are doing 
PC games. It's basically, it was a game that just consisted of different mini games. So it was like five different mini games that were all controlled by Tony Pumbaa or had some kind of basis of like the animals from The Lion King, but not like the main cast, literally just Tony Pumbaa, the only people who talk in it. And the mini games were uh, you could play pinball. There was like a one called Burpa, which was like a shooting kind of game where you just shot upwards to try and get stuff in the sky falling down in you, kind of a bit like Space Invaders. One called Hippo Hop, which is like Frogger. One called Bug Drop, which is based on Puyo Puyo. So all of these just based on other games. And one called Sling Shooter, which is very uh, self-explanatory. You just kind of uh, have a sling shot and try and shoot stuff down. But I loved it. I don't know what it was about this game. But I spent so much time on it as a kid. And to this day, I was doing uh, research on it and watching videos. And I just got sucked into a hole of watching these videos. And I was like, I need to go and play this game, like, right now. But I was at work, so I didn't do it. But it was close. I don't know. It was just really fun. Uh, I think I spent most of my time playing Hippo Hop because I was a big Frogger fan (laughs) when I was a kid. Sorry, I'm not judging you. You are. I know you're judging me and I don't care because (laughs) if you got to play it, I think you would appreciate it. You know my love for me. I have played it. You have? I have played it. I I don't remember playing all of them, but I've just found the one that I did play, which was where like um, Pumbaa is like holding like a bamboo stick and he has to like shoot. Actually, this might not have been part of the game. I think it was like a keyboard learning game where you'd have to click on the bug that comes up because it's got like a letter on it to like match the keyboard uh so that is like a typing adventure one. Oh, then that's, that's a what i game. had sorry that's the one oh, i remember so you had the one for squares where you had a learning adventure hey i had ones with mini games with pinball and that taught you how to gamble at pinball. fair enough fair enough yeah. i guess because i was thinking that that's what you were putting in like just the random <laughs> typing nerd adventure <laughs> no it's fine i'm not mocking you i've got questionable ones on mine too you do whatever you feel you need to. I will. It's my top five, and I'm going to put in whatever <laughs> shit I want. <laughs> I think it's. I think I'm just. I don't know why. I just. It took me back. I. I just. I didn't expect it. So I was. You know. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. To be fair, it, when I was making this list, I had like I think twenty games by the time I'd finished oh, it. Oh, me too. And I was slowly like whittling them down to think like, okay, which ones can I put in? Which ones do I remember the most? And I got to this one and I was like, it's so vivid in my memory. And I think I still have my original CD of it um, somewhere in my really old collection of CD, like PC games that I own still. And it's still in there and I still love it. Um, And I think, like I said, I could go play it now. Um, So I was like, it has to go in there just because it's great fun. Um, It was really impossible to find any facts, I will say, about this game because no one really writes about this game because it's not going to be in any top fives ever they thought and little did they know <laughs> until now until now the one fact i did find which i guess isn't really a fact it's more just talking about the snes version um and how shit it was compared to the pc one it was just a shell of a version um you basically apparently you get no voice acting uh in the snes version and you get full in the pc you don't get the bug drop game which was one of my favorite games and it's all in a lower quality so you might as well have not played it on the snes you should just write an angry letter i will i will i mean luckily i didn't own it on that i had the superior version for the pc master race so i do think though like thinking back to it comparing like consoles and stuff like i think the pc did really well in that era of like what it was doing not that other consoles weren't doing well 
but there was a lot of good shit coming out with a lot of cool like uh, you know abilities definitely and i think yeah, there was yeah it did well different kinds of games i think i think this is what my list eventually is going to reflect because mdk is a very different looking game and a different playing game to timon and pumba's jungle games and the rest of mine are very little different so i think it was good on variety back in the day now i feel like we're kind of leaning towards a lot of similar veins of stuff like open world is quite a big thing and everything feels kind of similar in the way that they're kind of taking things and i don't know it just felt a little bit more varied back then I agree. I feel like there was a lot of, yeah, some really, like, different stuff. As we're going to get into, I feel. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of I weird really shit. I could talk much more about Timon and Pumbaa's Jungle Games, okay. other than to tell you to go and play it. Somehow. If you Maybe. can find it. Well, Maybe. if you have it, then I'll, I'll come over. I'm going to put it on this PC, and we're going to have the best afternoon. Good. Good. I look forward to it. And I won't mock you. Yeah, you won't, because you'll be too engrossed in Timon and Pumbaa's Jungle yeah. Games to do so. Um, what is your number four? Stop so shitting I... mine. <laughs> Sorry, you'll have plenty of time to shit on mine. Um, <laughs> I had such a move around with this, and it's just, I've just realised it's funny that this one's ended up here. But this one is actually... Theme Hospital didn't mean for it to be so close to the other Bullfrog game. <laughs> I just had a switcheroo earlier and didn't realise. Um, so Theme Hospital is a business simulation game different to a dungeon simulation game but same kind of premise you have <laughs> yeah. creatures you know human creatures that are sick um coming into your hospital but no in serious in seriousness um the hospital was made in 1997 it was made originally for the pc i think it came out on playstation later um basically you design and operate a privately owned hospital with the goal of curing patients of fictitious comical ailments so it is kind of the successor to Theme Park because it came after Theme Park and it kind of had the same kind of basis. Yeah. But yeah, so you just have to build a hospital, attract patients and then treat them and hopefully try not to kill them. It has a dark sense of humour similar to, I guess, Theme Park World kind of had that, but it was probably more Dungeon Keeper had a pretty dark thing going on as well. I feel like it's probably good in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Between dungeon keeper and i think you kind of things. need to have like a a good sense of humor when like you're working in a hospital so they kind of <laughs> needed to make it like haha funny yeah, things because otherwise you're like oh god this person has tuberculosis <laughs> everyone's got cancer and everyone's going to die <laughs> yeah, horrible death no one wants to yeah. play that game no that's not a fun game <laughs> so yeah some of the diseases which you'll probably remember because i'm assuming you did play this game i did yeah include bloaty head where someone has a ginormous head that's all bloated up that. um king complex which forces the patient to impersonate elvis presley um and then alien dna which i never got to because i must have been so shit that i never got to the end levels where you had aliens i don't remember aliens all i remember is bloaty head yeah. So, and I think, like many people, I think that, yeah, I definitely think you're right. I think it just stems from us not being very good as yeah. children. I tried damn hard. I remember, like, getting to points where I was, like, so close to, like, getting to the higher levels, but just, just always becoming bankrupt and killing everyone um, or getting sued or something like that. So, yeah. But <laughs> I just found it, it was a very humorous game. It was a building game, as obviously we realised I like. And I just, I think I get really OCD with it as well. Like, all the chairs and everything has to be, like, perfect and... I just, I'm into it. I'm into making shit. Making shit look good. Yeah. I don't care if the staff are terrible. As long as it looks good, um, then I'm happy. But I watched a good few clips of Theme Hospital and it just, oh, took me right back. Made me so happy. Yeah. 
Um, I want to play that again. Have you played Two Point Hospital? The one no, that but just I need. Came out? I need to because it looks good and I've heard good things. Yeah, definitely. I think it was on sale recently, yeah. and I didn't tell I, you about uh, yeah. it because I didn't. So sorry, but um, <laughs> Theme Hospital. <laughs> I remember being good fun. I played Theme Hospital much later than everyone else, though. I didn't play it um, back. I think when everyone else played it, uh, when it came first, kind of came out. Um, I played it like only uh, ooh, maybe ten years ago or so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. it was. It was a good game for my tiny little brain. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. I. I did because I was in this list because it's nostalgia for me, but it's also in this list because I just think it was just a really good game. Um, I found it really addictive. Probably yeah. when my addictions to games would have started, things like this um, definitely caused that. Yeah, it, those kind of games are definitely on that line that we have mentioned a few times where we talk about the fact that the time just seems to disappear. Like you could yeah. spend hours and hours and you look out the window one minute and it's daylight and then you look at the next and it's like, you know pitch black yeah starting to be the next day kind of thing you just get so like sucked into them um and i think quite a few people i know um played theme hospital even if they're not particularly gamers now theme hospital you mention oh, yeah. that to them and they are just like yes it's the best i, love I remember it. like going around to my friend's house when i've been like nine or something and like you know we were like actual like girl kids you think that we'd be like listening to spice girls but no we would like i'd go to a house to like play theme hospital with her yeah. And we were just like, all night, just play that. I and mean, I just think <laughs> it was. It was a great game. Um, so it really made my childhood, I think. To be fair, most of these games made my childhood, even though they probably shouldn't have done because some of them are probably a little bit explicit. But uh, yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got some good facts about this one. So, I mean, I wouldn't know this at the time because I was a child and I didn't pay attention to the news. Um, but apparently the game attracted some controversy from NHS managers... Wow. The House of Parliament and the Daily Telegraph, who basically published an article criticising the game as sick and said that the British Medical Association was using it to train management staff, which is hilarious. Um, the NHS <laughs> argued that the game mocked hostile management. So, you know, which I think is just ridiculous. Like, I, yeah. I do think it's just utter, yeah, just bollocks, really. Yeah, I mean, I... I maybe get the argument that someone could put through like oh it's making light of our jobs but not really it's like we know you're not dealing with bloaty head and shit on a daily basis we know you actually have work to do but it's fun pretending like we could run a hospital as well they should take it as a compliment yeah they were just being precious as well like um so i think the guy who made the game was invited to a local radio station to talk about it um and he basically said that he just didn't consider it to be offensive because it's not like they feature real diseases it's all fictional and it's just just for fun like you know you can have a th- you can have, you have simulators for everything these days you have farm simulator for god's sake farmers aren't getting angry i don't think that's now turning into an esport as well which is even crazy <laughs> yeah so um so that was silly but that's okay <laughs> some silly silly news <laughs> silly british people right, um right. Uh, but anyway, on that note, the monster was originally going to feature real diseases, but they were obviously replaced with the fictional ones because they decided that it would be a really dark game if it featured real ones, which agreed there yeah. might be. An- I-, I understand that then. Yeah, a wise move, I think, by them. Yeah, because that would have just been a different game completely. <laughs> um, but yeah, also another little cool fact is the 
I didn't remember this because, again, child. Um, but the player competes, so you compete against computer rivals named after famous computers, real and fictional. Which, again, didn't realise until I read it, which is Holly from Red Dwarf is one of the competitors that, like, appears. They sometimes have them on the, yeah. like, the charts or they say yeah. about the other hospital. Um, and also, let's have a look, and Deep Thought, apparently. Uh, but there's a few on there as well that I think you do eventually notice when you, when you realise it, which is cool. Um, so I was also not really facts, but I was just thinking back to happy memories on the game. Um, and I remember the pooing in the toilets. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. So they'd make like the toilets, you'd make the toilets and then the people would actually go into the toilets and like actually poop and you'd hear all the sound effects. <laughs> Why did I say that was a good memory? I just mean general memory. Yeah. I mean, no, that's your favorite part of the game. You can't take it back. <laughs> it's on the podcast. Everyone knows. Gotta, gotta make the toilet section so I can watch the pooping. <laughs> gotta, just, my whole hospital is just full of toilets. All toilets. And all anyone could do in this hospital is poop. Pooping simulator. No one's made one of those yet. No one has. Although there was a game called Don't Shit Your Pants. That's true. But that's a bit different because that's not the opposite of what you're supposed to do in a pooping simulator. This poop. is true. I mean, he does poop, but... Not when he wants to. <laughs> um, another funny thing I remember doing as well is this sort of brutal management of staff where I think a lot of the time if my staff were asking for pay rises, I'd just be like, fuck you and just fire them. <laughs> this is Nikki's management style coming out. Like, <laughs> yeah, harsh. And it, as well, if you if you don't hire any janitors, the place just ends up just covered in puke. <laughs> I like that these are things that I know you've tested. I know you're like, fuck, I, can't, I don't want janitors. I'm not paying them to do anything. They're just going <laughs> to smoosh around, clean up all this poop that I've been collecting. Poop I don't want them vomit. to do this. Um, let's just cover the whole hospital in vomit because that's a sanitary and wise decision for a hospital. <laughs> that isn't what I did. I'm just saying these were some things that happened. In someone else's game. <laughs> totally unrelated hospital incident today. Um... I'm going over to some dark shit now. There oh, was a machine in the game, which I didn't realise until I investigated it, called the auto-autopsy machine. Now, I just thought this was a machine that people go into and get their heads scanned because, you know, it's a I thing mean, that looked like it was going to scan your head. But they never came out, Steph. Yeah, I mean, I guess you didn't know what autopsy meant when you were I a kid. I didn't, no. So... And then it all came very clear to me and I was like, oh, shit. We like you actually did that so that you could like find the the cure to the disease, but in a really yeah. bad way by Was killing this... them. So what I'm imagining is mm-hmm. you playing this as a kid, and you know just doing it for fun because you're like, oh, I wonder what this machine does. I'm just going to keep sending people in there. Um, and then like I don't know, ten years later, it just like a light bulb goes <laughs> off, sat, and you're like, sat on the bus, like I murdered all of those people. Oh my god! Oh my god! What have I done? <laughs> I'm a monster. Where well, are my poop I actually, toilets? <laughs> I actually thought in my little brain that they were kind of like it was like a time machine because it kind of like flashes and then it they don't come out. So in my mind, I was like, oh, they're just you know going on like space uh-huh. or like you know to the 1980s. You know, uh-huh. It's all good. Honey, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> yes, they are. But yeah, anyway, so many. I, fa- I found a good Reddit um, like 
uh, thread where everyone was just like, oh shit, and everyone realised as well. It was funny. Um, everyone was traumatised, so it's fine. Oh well, at least you guys can have a club or something. Yeah. You know, support group, that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you remember the, like, the narrator receptionist woman from the game? Yes, vaguely I remember her. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, was, like, listening to her, and it's one of those things where I can just read the sentence of the quote and just know exactly how she says it. Yeah, and you it just hear that voice in your head. Yeah. So I'm gonna do one now. Oh, amazing. <laughs> um, in so, the voice? Well, I don't know. Do you, I don't know. Oh, I've got to get, in, got to get into it. So she has a really whiny voice, doesn't she? Like, Quite nasally. Oh. Yeah, so she's, uh, I think one of her lines is, we apologise for the amount of litter. There you go. <laughs> I loved it. It's a good one. One of, favorites, your voice. <laughs> one of my favourites is when she just shouts really loudly, litter bomb warning! <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite. She's a bit obsessed with litter, really, isn't she? Yeah. Um, and she also, the other one where she reminds patients not to die in the corridor, is also a good one. I mean, yeah, you know, that's a nice reminder, but I don't know if it's going to help, love. Anyway, now you've gotten my great impressions there. Um, Let's move on, because I'm done with the hospital. (laughs) Okay. Well, wonderful. We're on to number three. Um, And my number three, and I'm slightly worried, this is the only one I'm worried we have a crossover on, is uh, Command and Conquer Red Alert. (laughs) No. Oh. That was a boys' game, Steph. A boys' How game. How sexist of you! And <laughs> it's 2019, Nikki. I'm kidding, but I didn't like it. It was too much war. Oh man, I loved this as a kid. Um, I, like Nikki said, it was a real-time strategy game with kind of like top-down isometric view. Um, obviously, second game in the series of Command and Conquer, um, and was released in 1996. Uh, developed by Westwood Studios. Um, the game kind of takes place in almost like an alternative history where uh, Allied forces are against uh, so- the Soviet Union um, to take over control of Europe. So kind of like normal war, but, you know, just we'll replace who did it and uh, it'll be fine. Um, and it's kind of like all those kind of games at that time, it's like Age of Empires and those kind of things where you control units and groups across different maps and you're trying to like take over territories and stuff and depending on which faction you play as, I think either you could be uh, Soviet Union or Allied, you got different, um, slightly different maps, I think, and slightly different events, which was quite cool. Um, you also got different types of unit and stuff. I remember playing as, weirdly, I remember playing as a Soviet Union quite a lot because they had dogs. And I was like, well, I want a dog group, so I'm going to be these guys. Um, And I, at the time, being, you know, a kid and not actually reading any of the history, I was just like, the red guys with the dogs. I like them. (laughs) So little did I know I was slowly becoming a communist. But hey, um, these are the things that happened in the 90s. Um, I (laughs) look at you now. You became what you always wanted to be. Right. I fulfilled my destiny, my friend. Um, it's, I guess, similar to most strategy games where you mine ore and gems and different things and use that to purchase more structures and different equipment. So, like, the more you progress, the more cool stuff you get. Um, uh, and apparently there was a map editor, but I never used that because I couldn't be bothered. Again, I think similarly to Nikki, I don't remember doing very well at this game. I do remember playing the first level quite a lot. Or maybe the second but I just had a good time doing it. I had a good time waging war. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm um I'm surprised about that you thought they would be on my list. I I don't know. I never there was a few games that were quite similar to that kind of thing in that song. I remember Commander because I remember my brother played it, but I just never really got into it. Like I just remember there being a lot of fucking tanks and shooting and shit. And I think I tried it a few times, but it was just never really my jam. Yeah, I don't. I think... pooping at that point. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's fair. You know, I think either one or the other. There's either war or poop. Uh, there's war on poop, but that's never a different both. game entirely. Yeah. Never the same together. But I I think maybe it's because me and you've maybe talked about the soundtrack quite a lot. Because uh, I always remember just the, the um, theme song for Command and Conquer Red Alert quite a lot. I do remember um, that, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's been quite played quite a lot, which is, I think, why I thought you played it a lot. But it's a great uh, theme tune. I still have it on one of my um, like nerd music lists at work that I listen to. And it always gets me in the mood to command and conquer things makes a lot of sense yeah i think what i kind of got into in this game i think it's probably one of my first exposures to playing strategy games on the pc um and i really enjoy the pc for strategy games i still play them quite a lot it's one of the i do have a pretty good pc that i could play most games on but i just always find myself going for things of like forex games and more strategy and simulation kind of build like more building and those kind of games than anything and i feel like command and conquer has quite a lot to do with that because um, i just remember having a lot of fun smooshing all the small blue people all the time power. and yeah it's, all about it's the power it is you keep you keep cutting to my core nikki <laughs> it makes sense now it she does. played commander cork when she was a child and now she's just gonna fucking try and command all of us yeah and conquer us this is uh this is quite an insight we've made today but yes. i mean it's not gonna change anything i'm still gonna try and command and conquer everything i see uh i've made so many little flags to put in things it's unreal oh yeah i remember that yeah. I think the reason I have bad memories of Command and Conquer is because it was I actually had more on the PlayStation. My brother had it, and I remember it was just always bad memories because if he, if Command and Conquer was playing, I wasn't allowed on the PlayStation. Uh, so for so me, it was of, like bad. Yeah, sub liminal kind of yeah. It's yeah. got into you associate it now with terrible mm. things. Exactly. Uh, well, this Not is being able to get onto a console, but it's fine because we live in a world now where. Well, I live in a world where I can buy my own console instead of just having to steal it. Yeah, Command and Conquer never has to grace your screens again. Yeah. Until I make you play it for some reason. That's okay. I'm sure I'll be past it by then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any facts? Um, so my facts are difficult. I could not find many for any of these games. I really struggled with facts this week. Um, I think the only ones I really found was that um, originally it was supposed to be um, an expansion or a DLC for the first game for just Command and Conquer. But Westwood were like, this is good. We know we're on to a winner here and just made it into its own game in its own right. Um, and I'm glad they did because it's, you know, spawned how many sequels? I think there's three now, uh, Red Alerts. Yeah, it's just a really fun game. I think, I know there are so many different forms of Command and Conquer, but Red Alert is just the one that I, like, gravitate towards. I just, I don't know what it is. Like, I think even I'm not that interested in playing any of the other titles. I just want to play Red Alert all the time. And uh, the other fact I had was more about Red Alert 2, uh, and that was if you pirated uh, the game, 
if you were terrible and downloaded things, uh, after about 30 seconds of playtime, all your buildings and people would explode. Oh, God. Yeah. That is quite a dark way to send your message, Westwood. But I like it. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. I think that's really it for number three. I think, you know, just go forth and command and conquer with some dogs. That's okay. What you lack in facts, I will surely make up for. Oh, God, I know. (laughs) So, my next one, I'm doing it as the entire franchise because I'm selfish. And if you have it in your list, I'm sorry. Or if any of them in your list, I'm sorry. Um, This is a stark contrast to Command & Conquer. But it was a game that I think I truly felt like addiction to an extent i think this is probably my first interaction i think because it was one of the first games i probably played on my pc as a young girl Youngin. um so i don't know i don't know why i paused then i had to almost like remember that i wasn't a remember? little boy did you check um, did you just look down <laughs> anyway <What's> down there? <laughs> um and it is pets slash oh cats, dogs, man and babies but not babies because it's weird oh pets You've brought yeah. so many memories back for me. I know. Yes. This, this was kind of the hole that I fell in when I started this one. I'm surprised you didn't have it. I thought you might be. You know what? I totally forgot about pets. And now <laughs> Would it have been on your it, list? I think it might have been. Okay. Well, you'll enjoy my hefty backstory then. I will. I'm going to sit because back and enjoy this story. Weirdly, there is a backstory. You wouldn't think there would be. Mm. Um, but I'll just give a slight introduction for anyone that hasn't played Pets. And if you haven't, then you're missing out. But then it's probably too late now. Um, the premise <laughs> is pretty simple. So it's basically a pet simulator. Shit, all of mine are simulators. Bloody hell. Um, what have you done? So I'm going to, I'm doing it as like a whole scope. But there was different games. Like there was cats and then there was dogs and then there was pets. And the yeah. pets had like both. And anyway... I think there was like three of them in the end. Um, So what you basically do is you can have a dog or a cat uh, and you have different breeds of them. So you have like Great Danes, Labradors. For the cats, you had like Calicoes, Persians. And each had their own distinct personality, apparently. Um, But yeah, so you would obviously pick like breeds and stuff. You'd name them, you'd become attached to them. And it's a little bit sad, but for me, as like a seven-year-old girl who was like this is the best thing ever like i'll just ignore my real cats i've got some virtual ones on the screen i don't need Fuck my yeah. attention or food yeah um but it was awesome i really really liked it and it did feel really realistic i think like the noises that they made the way they acted like it, it blew my mind and yeah, i think a, good one. a lot of other people like loved it as well clearly from what we're going to go into but a little bit of an origin story on the pets, cats, and dogs world, um, which was very unexpected but hilarious. Which is uh, so we're going we're going way back in time to mm-hmm. a game called Night Trap, and this game was um, a Sega CD FMV game in which vampires creatures wearing black clothes. It was terrifying. I did watch a clip of it. They would go around a house and murder teenage girls. So this game was considered exceedingly violent, and it, it was. It was the fucking weirdest thing I've ever seen. Um, it did have, like, a hilarious B-movie aesthetic to it, which you can yeah. kind of see, but even so, Jesus. Um, <laughs> it was deemed so problematic that the federal government got involved, and that is, uh, it incited one of gaming's biggest controversies, which would be the ESRB rating. So they wow. actually, because of that game... Invented their own rating, essentially. So basically, that that's why we have a rating system on games. I think. Jeez. Because they they released that game and everyone was like, "Shit, we can't just like let this out in the world." 
yeah. without having some sort of rating system on games because that's really fucked up. Mm. So based with all of that fallout from, from Night Trap, uh, the designer, Rob Fulop, decided to create the cutest and least offensive game that he could muster. <laughs> so he co-founded the independent development company PF Magic and his team invented the virtual pets that we know and love in 1995. was the first one, I think. Amazing. So I was like, that's an incredible backstory that everybody needs to know about. This guy basically made a disgustingly violent game and was like, fuck, I need to do something to, to like <laughs> improve this and just made pets. So I was like, fair enough. It's kind of almost like a therapy. He's like, he got all of his <laughs> horrible emotions out and then he was like, finally, I'm free from this weight of horrendousness. Now I can make the game I've always wanted to. I think as well, like, I kind of see it as him just being like, God damn it, why did no one not like my game? Fine, I'm just going to prove you all wrong and just make the cutest game and then you're all going to fucking love it. I, I see him doing it like that. Yeah, and they did. And it's probably, yeah. I was going to say, it's going to be definitely more accept- like um, successful than the horrendous one he made. Mm, I think it was incredibly successful. Um, I mean, they made quite a few of them, didn't they? So I think, I think they were. But uh, getting on to that, going into Pets 3, which was released in 1998, when the internet was truly starting to take off, mm-hmm. is where the weird world of pets happened on the internet. And I don't know if oh, you remember dear. this. Do you remember no. this? No. So I remember this completely. PF Magic basically hoped a hosted a community hub on their official website with classified ads pet adoptions and seasonable downloadable content which I do remember and I do remember taking part of this Um, you could actually like adopt pets it was weird anyway fans began to reach beyond the bounds of their own websites and started to communicate oh my god I can't even speak today participate in community activities uh, where they would take pictures of their pets and then submit them to be judged by formal kennel clubs. Um, So sites like the Pets Kennel Club or PKC started and it was fucking weird. I remember it really well and going into this I was just like oh my god I was I was all involved in that and not even remembering until now. You just got Um, taken straight back. Yeah I would take I would like screenshot pictures of my pets and like put them on the internet and be like this is jeremy man i guess it's like instagram before instagram yeah so um it was it was crazy it was completely crazy and so apparently the cool thing about it though is i wasn't the only one so this game obviously became like the biggest fans were apparently you know young teenage girls yeah um and older women and apparently uh, this game inspired a lot of young female developers to work in the yeah. games industry because they cool. they really got into like um hexing which is where basically people would like modify the breed files to become yeah. weird things like they'd make like dragons ponies which i remember i didn't do myself but i remember downloading like a hexed animal yeah and um so obviously like people were like really getting into that kind of shit especially like young women who were into the game started learning mm. how to like basically like code and stuff and i just thought that was really cool, that is um, really cool. <laughs> a funny fact is that apparently someone i don't know if it was the person who made the game or but i just read a form about a woman um apparently she kept her virtual dog for 15 years and was unwilling to upgrade to higher operating systems because windows xp did not support the original version of dogs that she had since she was eight years old she kept that she kept that dog for like 15 years she probably still has it that's impressive i thought they just died no so like the subculture was just insane like and there was this woman and she was called the legendary caroline yeah and uh 
she basically started a website called Carolyn's Creations. So she was like the big hexer woman. See what I mean? Like, look at this fucking weird thing. It's got in depth. Yeah. And like, so her website, I remember, I remember going on, I think it's probably where I got all of my things because everyone would just put everything like on there and they had all like, (laughs) the weirdest part of it was the fact that there was some weird revolutionary movement in the online community where people who wanted only hex-free pets with no bloodline contamination from pets who have been hexed because you could do some real like weird and breeding shit wow yeah it was a very weird place and a very weird time it sounds it it sounds a little dark it sounds a little dark internet no it wasn't it was a great but time also and you know wholesome I think it was when the internet was a better place. You know, people weren't arguing or sharing weird shit. They were just talking about their animals. They were sharing some weird hex pets that are like dragons, you know, and everyone was getting along and putting up pictures of their, like, their pets for, like, shows and stuff. It was bloody wholesome. That's a good word. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you had this community for yourself. I did. I just had the game and I remember loving it. And I'm really glad that you've reminded me of this. I think I'm going to go download it right now. Like, one five. I think the forums still exist for like everything about like downloading hexed animals and shit. So you should check out the the community. I think it's probably still going. I don't know if Caroline is still going. She's still alive. I hope her and her dog are still doing well. Although I think she might have been 50 at the time. So. I mean, there's only been. I can't do math. Well, we'll never She's know. probably maybe in her 70s now. Yeah. 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 So, you know, what are you going to do at 70? Um, but yeah, I just think it was just such a lovely community. I mean, I don't remember feeling like threatened at all. But then it was when the internet was different. It was when websites were just, I don't know, just yeah, felt like, like safer place. Yeah. I mean, you're wrong, but I like that you <laughs> felt safer. I felt safe. I like the. Well, to be fair, though, it's like you were probably visiting. You know, the nice wholesome places, like when you just went on Neopets all the time. It's just I like, know. oh, I'm just having a good time. You know, you're not you're not going to the dark corners of the internet that you are now. But I felt like it was quite early on in the internet time, so no one had really been able to taint it yet in my mind. I don't think you visited those places. <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm glad that the internet yeah, was not tainted not, for you at that point. taint my memories. <laughs> I'm sure someone out there made a pet that looked like a knob. I mean... <laughs> I mean, at no point was that what I was referring to, but I'm glad that we got there. <laughs> Let's end it on that then. I'm sure yeah, someone out fine. there made That's a pet it. that looked like a knob. <laughs> what a great way to end that wholesome section. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, that is all my facts, though. My oh, facts good. were intertwined, so I'm, I am done with that. Okay, well, that's good. I'll just move on to my number two then with that horrendous image in my head. Thank you for bringing back dogs and cats to me, Nikki. You're welcome. (laughs) So my number two is called Journeyman Project 3, Legacy of Time. Hmm. Have you heard of this game? No. Okay. So it was released in 1998 uh, by a studio called Presto Studios. It's a game kind of like it's a point and click kind of adventure uh you're solving puzzles and things like this um the story is 
uh, kind of based on time travel. So you're traveling back in time a lot in this game, hence legacy of time uh, being the thing. And you're kind of traveling across different uh, points in Earth civilizations, essentially. And there's a story for it that kind of goes back to the first one. It's quite long and complicated. And we all know that I'm terrible at explaining stories. So I haven't really bothered to try on this one. Other than to say that you're trying to stop a bad guy because he's fucked up some stuff in ancient earth civilizations and you've gone back in time to try and fix these things and this game looks awesome it's one of the ones that have like the actual real life people in it right so this is what i was gonna say so essentially you are in a game kind of like mist where it's like a adventure game point and click and you're in really nice 3d rendered environments they are 360 so it's kind of you could spin the whole way around which is very cool but everyone you talk to is an actor so you've got these live actors in the game around play so anytime you approach someone they turn out to be an actor kind of placed in there and you could be going along and playing this game and doing something and then suddenly boom a terrible sci-fi movie appears and you have to watch it and it's just hilarious and brilliant um and i was a little bit obsessed with this game as a kid because i had the demo as a kid on one of those uh, i think it was on like pc gamer the ones you got with the I magazine miss those demos. right they were great they were just like uh, cds filled with demos for anybody who doesn't know what we're on about um and they most of the demos on them were quite long things like i remember having a lot of fun with all of those demos and this was one of them on there um since i was older gog do this game geodine um and i've bought it and i've played it um long way through and it's just brilliant it's like a kind of good little puzzles and stuff but the thing that makes it is just the terrible acting that you encounter you uh just walk up to a person and you're like hey and they're like hi i need to tell you this crazy story about my life and will you make a pot for me um i remember (laughs) making a lot of pots for a man uh it was great fun um (laughs) you're kind of in this like suit as well which is uh ties in with the story apparently the suit transforms you into like a normal person to the people you're visiting back in time so you're not just wandering around as a crazy alien that's why nobody freaks out and i liked a lot of point and clicks and this is kind of a good one for me um because i didn't want to mention like monkey island stuff again in these things because everyone knows i love monkey island so much now but this is kind of a close uh lining up to those kind of point and click things it's just a weird game but i loved it yeah yeah i'd like i'd like to play it well it's very i recognize it you know you like look at something and you're like that seems really familiar to me mm. like the fact that it kind of looks a little bit egyptian at points i really yeah. recognize but i don't think i did i think i had a game similar that had real people in it but i can't remember the life remember the same i know it's, it's downstairs as well i've got it can't remember it because i haven't been able to play it on anything but yeah it looks good i'd like to play it to be honest i really just like those ridiculous games where like they've got the actual live actors in it yeah and the cgi like not cgi the um the movie parts in it really are like b-movie sci-fi things it's really funny but also really great you get really into it <laughs> they're kind of like these uh terrible expressions they're like oh no agent five because everyone's got really stupid names as well it's like agent five and agent three and gage blackwood and all those kind of terrible names and like sci-fi things and you've got to save the government or the tsa and it's called the tsa but i don't think it stands for the same thing the tsa stands for now i think it's like (laughs) time something time 
safety assholes. I don't know. Something like that. And yeah, before they're forced to shut down. Or they are shut down. I can't remember the story of it. I just remember there being some terrible sci-fi movie parts and a weird creature that lives in my helmet with me and tells me what to do. And I making pots go, for uh... a man. <laughs> I have to go watch this on YouTube later, I think. I think you will. I think you should. It is. I don't really know much about this game other than, you know, because I never really played the first or the second one. I only ever played three. And when I re-bought it, I was like, I'm just going to buy three because I don't have enough time to play through the entire thing. But what amazed me about this game was the for one you have like these crazy pre-rendered 3d like environments they just look crazy for the time they were made they were really impressive um but the game was only made by 25 people which in a dev studio is quite small like that is a small studio to make something on that scale especially when you've got uh filming actors and there must have been budget for doing the costumes and things like that around there it just kind of blew my mind a little bit when i read that it's also uh, my other fact that I found was that it was the first one of the first games to be developed for CD-ROM. Oh wow! Which reminded me that a lot of these games I owned might have been on floppy disk at some point, or I did have them floppy disk. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. There's not much to say about this game other than I think if you don't know it, you should look it up and have a grand old time. Sweet. Does that mean I'm on my number two? You are on your number two. Okay. So this one. I fought with myself a lot. I was going to actually not include it. And then I thought, you know what? Fuck it. This is one of my best PC games. And I had a lot of fun playing this game. And I know I've mentioned it before, but I don't give a shit. It's Discworld 2. Oh, nice. The kids, I played that a lot on PC and I spent a lot of time on it. And I just thought, like, I'm lying to myself. And to be fair, I think in the last time I spoke about it was when I was speaking about Rincewind as the protagonist. So I thought, well... You know, it's all good. So well, I can still talk about it. So Discworld 2, um, which was missing presumed, um, I think in England, maybe that's what it was called. Uh, but it was released as Mortality Bites in North America. So um, I don't know if, you know, that really makes a difference. But <laughs> the game was developed and produced in 996 by Perfect Entertainment for the PC. It was later ported in 997 for the PlayStation and Sega Saturn. But I think I spent most of my time playing it on PC. Um, so for anyone that, you know, hasn't played it, you can kind of assume that it is based on the Discworld books. And so you do control Rincewind. Uh, he is a wizard, an awesome wizard. Um, and yeah, so basically the main story I would say is that not, it's not really giving anything away. Um, nobody can die. So everyone who would normally be dying isn't dying. So they kind of realize that you know, maybe the Grim Reaper or death isn't really doing his job. So your job in the game is to basically sort him out and bring him back so that everyone can die because apparently being undead is not fun. Who knew? (laughs) Um, But apparently the game does actually borrow from a number of Discworld books but isn't based on them solely. Um, And those books are a mesh of basically Reaper Man and moving pictures for anyone that is more into Discworld. Um, books. I have read a few of the Discworld books, but I do find them quite hard to read. But Terry Pratchett is a genius. Yeah, but my brain cannot just cannot keep up with him. It's true. I I have the same thing. There are quite mm. a few books that I really like, but and I really wish I could read more Discworld. But it does take me a while to read them. 
yeah. um, whenever I've read them. But I do really like them. And luggage. I, I always think of yeah. luggage. Whenever I think of Rinsewood, I think of luggage. I think Discworld 2 was quite a pivotal game for my childhood. I feel like a lot of the humour with Eric Idle was being Rincewind. Yeah. Just kind of like made me as I am today, if that makes mm. sense. Like just yeah, that real kind of fair. British dark humour. It was just... Very dry. A, yeah, Sarcasm. which is really endearing as a kid to play something like Discworld. I didn't play the first one. I have played like parts of it at someone else's house, but I just never owned, just never owned it, just never had it. But Discworld 2, I think the graphics improved quite a lot. And I think for me to go back to the first one would have been a bit of a, oh God, what is this? Yeah, I think maybe I could try and do it now that I have a bit more of a, I don't know, I'm a, a, yeah. a bit more time and a bit more comfortable with doing that kind of thing and going back. But when you're a bit younger, like, you're just like, well, this one looks like a cartoon, so I'm yeah. going to pick this one. And this one looks like a terrible, like, you know, Plus, awful game f- rather than a, you know, yeah. pixel art game. I think the first one was harder, from what I'm aware of. And the second one was really difficult, as it was. I think it took me many years to complete that game. And the reason being was because, so I didn't actually own it properly until later on in life. I mostly paid it, played it at my nan's house because, well... She was clearly a hardcore gamer. She had a PC and basically um, I would play the game and I'd have my own like save file from what I remember. My cousins would also play the game and have their own save files. But what would happen is sometimes we wouldn't always be there at the same time. So when they would get a little bit further in the game and solve the puzzles, because the puzzles took forever. It wasn't like it was back in the day where you could just connect to the internet easily and just get all like the walkthroughs and stuff. It just wasn't just wasn't that day and age. Yeah. So what they would do, what we'd do to each other is when we figured out one of the puzzles or what to do, we would like write notes on the desktop. So we'd make our own desktop wallpaper Cute. and say like, this is what you do. And so we would like communicate with each other, all of us, without actually being in the same room. So I'd like really look forward to like going to my Nanta so I could like get on the computer and like see if there's something that I can now solve. Yeah. Um, loved it. It was well adorable. Yeah. That is adorable. I'm, I'm that cute. is the most adorable you are cute as a button so i think that's why i have like a big nostalgia attachment to it because it was kind of yeah. that it was kind of like a family effort you know to finish yeah. that damn game but it was great and there's a lot of humor in it too which is you know even though we were young it wasn't lost on us completely no well it was smart enough game to appeal for both kind of yeah. like pixar does quite well where it's like you're gonna tell a joke um and some stuff might go over a kid's head but maybe you'll get it when you're older but yeah. there are other things that you can appreciate oh a, yeah you know as a younger there's definitely some some things that are said that i wouldn't have got when i was younger but now i i get them and they're some of them are quite explicit but you know it's fine because you wouldn't as a kid go oh my god that's rude because you wouldn't actually know what it was meaning yeah you just don't notice yeah. those kind of things because it just goes over your head i miss those days where things were just out there things and go over your head yeah because it's even with like cartoons and stuff like i know people obviously said it was bad and stuff but like there would be a lot of like dark undertones and like old cartoons right whereas like yeah now you'd never really have that as much as you did but they were like oh it's fine like kids won't understand what that means and you watch it later in life and you're like oh my god <laughs> like how did they put that in there yeah there are quite a few of those especially around yeah. like cartoon network era. oh yeah um but yeah i spent a lot of time playing discworld the same discworld actually and i never played the first one but i do remember there was a bit in the second one where you stick your head through something and you pop into the first game yes and he makes like comments about how he's like well didn't i look awful like all these kind yeah, of yeah it's really funny things um yeah that was, was a really like cool said, section a lot of humor in that game a lot of good fun and it reminds me so much of monkey island which i think is why i love it so much yeah um, especially third monkey island but yeah mm. It was a good game. And Terry, um, Terry Pratchett, like, 
there's a quite a funny fact that I found where um, apparently in the game manual, Terry Pratchett um, has a quote at the beginning of it which says, um, this is the second Discworld game. What do you mean I haven't finished the first one yet? Good grief, some people. And then apparently he gives instructions on how to complete some of the previous game um, puzzles. <laughs> Amazing. And then he writes at the end of that, um, we've made Discworld 2 a little easier. And then in brackets, Snigger, which I just thought was funny. I just like <laughs> that he's so involved in it and was just like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Terry Pratchett was a cool guy. Um, yeah. He had a, like, I mean, he wrote it and had a lot of good humour himself. So it was yeah. nice that the games uh, reflected that quite a lot. Did you ever yeah. play Noir? Noir? I did, yeah. I don't remember getting that far in it. And I remember, because I remember, like, when I was younger, I would clearly struggle with putting discs into the computer. I remember once putting a Discworld Noir and being like, this isn't Discworld. And then being really confused. Obviously, it is Discworld, but it's very different. Yeah. I love, that. I love the idea of just picturing you being really confused as to what, like, this what is, happened. This is dark. Yeah, I think this is just how you discovered most games, like that you shouldn't have been. Oh, it was. Yeah, no. Just, we'll get, we'll get there in. as well. Literally, oh, I just, exactly. I would just because my brother as well, obviously, was a lot older than me, so he's probably playing yeah. like games I shouldn't have been playing, not for my age range. So I'd just be like, click, <laughs> like what's yeah. on here today? It's a good job I didn't <laughs> click on some other weird shit. Mm, yeah, that's true. It's a good job your brother hid all of his terrible things that he looked at in the internet. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, combined with Eric Idle, this <laughs> combined with Eric Idle, this game was just perfection in my opinion. Um, Eric Idle did an incredible job as Rincewind. I love yeah, that man. As definitely. I said in my in our other episode, mm-hmm. um, he's he's a hilarious man. He doesn't even have to really do anything. He's just funny. No. Yeah, which leads me to Ooh. my last and final fact, which is a little bit long, but I'll uh, I'll do my best to go as quickly as I can. So, um, some history here. So, back in two thousand and five, uh, a forum member found some unusual lines in Discworld One and Discworld Two in the English text files. So that's all the file. That's the dialogue, basically all, all from the game listed in one file. Um, and apparently, the line said from Rincewind. I want to be the first person in the game to say fuck. <laughs> and in, Di- in, in Discworld 2, he says, I want to be the first person in the game to say fuck. What do you mean I've already said it? All right, then. I want to be the first person in a sequel to say fuck. So <laughs> um, that kind of like hung around there. I normally did anything with that for a while. And then out of the blue, um, Dave Johnson, who was the lead programmer, then replied to this forum discussing this. And he basically said, up until... Uh, a little while ago, he said, I was like, I didn't know that anyone had ever found this. He said, I, I did put it in there. Um, and basically, he, he gave a big explanation to it. Um, he explained it on the forums and he also explained it on his website, where he said, basically, he was bored for about five minutes near the end of Dueling Discworld 2. And Eric Idle had recorded a parody of the famous line by John Cleese, which is, I want to be the first person at a British memorial service to say fuck. Um, so Eric Idle said that. And um, basically Dave Johnson was like, well, I had to put it in somewhere. But he was like, I have to put it in somewhere where it will never be found. You know, that would be (laughs) bad. So he said he made it virtually impossible to find by accident. Um, And he said basically, uh, like, he didn't sort of give any answers away at that point. But he then later explained that um, it took, like, many, many years for someone to basically come across it. But he said (laughs) what happened is uh, he said fate stepped in. And basically he was told that... Uh, a customer's copy of Discworld had crashed while they were playing it and it started playing every single piece of sound and speech in the game, one after the other, until it played I want to be the first person in the game to say fuck. 
And then that was reported to the publisher, who were apparently not very happy at that point. Uh, they reported it to his boss, who was also not very happy, but apparently slightly amused. Um, so later on, he does explain how to get this line to happen. Um, and it's you have to sort of like click a series of things on the screen. And right. you spoke about how Rincewind appears with his old self in Discworld 1. Yeah. He actually says it in that room. Uh-huh. I think you might have to click something in that room because it doesn't just happen. Otherwise, everyone would have got it. Yeah. Um, and I watched it earlier because you can find it on YouTube. And it's quite funny because basically he wa- he says out of the blue randomly, I want to be the first person to game to say fuck. And then the, the other Rincewind's like, well, I've already said it. And he's like, what? And so he says, like, I want to be the first person in the sequel to say it. But in the first one, obviously, he, he says it. Um, so, if, you know, if you do want to hear that line, just go onto the forums and you will find how to do it. Um, but then eventually another programmer came forward and said that you have to thank Eric Idle for the line is it was apparently an outtake. So yeah. we sort of explained it a bit more. Yeah. Um, but apparently he actually said, I want to be the first person in the game to say fuck. And then he says, what? Arnold Schwarzenegger already said it. Well, fuck you, Arnold. Fuck off, Arnold. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. So I think That's that was the original movie. line that he actually said first. Man, I'm slightly sad that they didn't put that one in. I know. I don't know if Arnold Schwarzenegger, actually, Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually the first one to say it in a game. But he obviously... No got told that Arnold Schwarzenegger already did it, so Eric Idle got pretty pissed at that point. I think that's fair. If Arnie stole my line, I'd be pretty mad. Yeah, but it's definitely worth... Um, if you if you like Discworld, it's definitely worth a, a watch on YouTube because it will just... It made my day. Yeah, I'm going to Google that afterwards. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's my uh, that's my number two. I, wouldn't, I didn't want to go too much into the actual game because I feel like I've discussed it before and it's pretty obvious. It's just a good game. It's very funny. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a good game and one of my favourite point and clicks, which, you know, happens to exist on the PC quite a lot. Yeah. Um, awesome. In that case, I will move on to my number one. And we have reached the top spot of this evening. And for me, the top spot, the top 90s game, PC game, um, is LBA2. What, Little Big Adventure? Little Big Adventure, yes. Okay, cool. Sorry, it took me a moment there. <laughs> Clearly, well, not everyone's, just not everyone's gonna know. Well, no, it's just I didn't. I'm sorry, I did not realize. I will. Uh, it was my I brain will... going into overdrive, like L B A. I might just start with number one again. Um, <laughs> my number one is Little Big Adventure number two. Wow. I'm otherwise known. <laughs> Otherwise known as Twinson's, Twinson's Odyssey in North America. Um, what? Yeah, apparently it had a different oh. name in America. Um, but it was released in June 1997 by Adeline Software uh, and Sierra, I think, uh, published it. Um, it is, of course, the sequel to Little Big Adventure 1. Um, but I pretty much only had number two at the time when uh, these first kind of came out. Um, I have since played number one, but number two has always had the special place in my heart. Um, The game is a real-time adventure game, Um, and there's some role-play elements in there, um, and there's a little bit of free-roaming when you get to some of the bigger islands, uh, which is quite cool, especially for the time that it came out. Um, And the story is that it starts, and everyone's happy because the guy, evil guy from the first game has been defeated and everyone's just kind of enjoying the sun and being on their island 
and uh, suddenly some clouds come over just to ruin everyone's day and it starts raining and you're flying around on or your dino fly because there's a dinosaur that flies in this game what's not to love um and he's struck by lightning and it starts with you going to see him and being like it's okay dino fly i will go get you some medicine and i'll bring the clouds back because that's what i do i fix things i'm a protagonist in a video game um so he off he goes to go bring around the phone and he uses a weather wizard i wish there was a weather wizard and i could just go to him every time there was a you know terrible weather that i didn't want but i don't live in lba um so he off he goes to the find the weather 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 wizard is really difficult to say when you've had two glasses of wine weather wizard weather wizard um <laughs> cloud the clouds have been cleared by the weather wizard and <laughs> suddenly some aliens descend um and they claim to be a peaceful race called the esmers but they're not they and this starts your adventure and basically they steal all the children and i think they steal your wife because she's pregnant at the time oh that's your... a reason to steal her oh she's pregnant steal no her. Oh, or she's fine i can't remember for some reason you go off on the adventure because part of me thinks that maybe you leave your pregnant wife at home while you go off and become let's, let's go with that one that sounds yeah. nicer i think you do that one of your first missions when you leave is to go become a wizard so your wife is pregnant and you leave her to become a wizard and that is the game um <laughs> <laughs> i wish there was more description for this game but it's really random um and everyone is weird like there's some animal people in there but you're a man type creature and there's also some hot dog people um and everyone looks just weird. a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. Everyone looks a bit weird. Um, I think my favourite thing about this game, other than it is just a really good adventure game, there's lots of like, some parts there's puzzles and other parts there's a little bit more um, kind of action stuff to do. But there's essentially like a movement system, which I've never seen in any other game, probably because it's a terrible idea. It's probably, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, <laughs> but for some reason, I quite enjoy it in this game. Um, so you have a default walk. But then you can also have a select option to move to a sporty mode. And in sporty mode, you can run, jump, and um, I think throw things. So you've got like a ball um, and that's what you use to attack people. Because who needs a sword or a gun? No, you get a ball. Um, and then there's also, I think, sneak, um, where you're trying to be sneaky. So you kind of like creep everywhere and the fourth one is my favorite and it's called aggressive and you just walk along grunting <laughs> and punching the air and kicking every so often that's how steph walks that's how i know. did the entire game and my life that's how you are now <laughs> so aggressive um so yeah every time you want to do a different thing so if you get stuck with someone and you need to attack them um you have to change to be aggressive or if you want to run away from them, you've got to change back to being sporty. And it's really awkward um, <laughs> and a bit stupid, but I really love it as a game. Um, yeah, there's lots of little things you can do. You can drive a car at some point and, yeah, you get to learn some spells. Um, and there's lots of like little dungeons. I don't, I don't think a guy that can't walk properly should be driving a car. <laughs> this is true. Um, it depends what mood you're in. Like, you know. That's true. If he's in I his mean, maybe don't drive mode. in the aggressive mood. Yeah, <laughs> be punching that's true. the windscreen wipers. 
don't know why I said windscreen wipers. I mean, I'd be impressed if you could punch the windscreen wipers. They're on the other side of the glass. You punch I mean, I guess through you'd the glass. Punch it if you punch through the glass, yeah. Makes sense. I mean, just talk about road rage. Be the yeah. worst. Maybe so can I put my mode? two cents in? Yeah, you can put your game. two cents in for this game. <laughs> okay, so um, I we have bonded about this game before, but I never played Little Big Adventure 2. I only ever played one. And I actually only ever played it on a demo. Um, and I remember, I used to actually think that I imagined this game up until until I met you, I think, to be honest, because mm. it was weird. And I had these weird memories of being this guy who couldn't walk properly with weird, creepy music. Because the music was creepy. The sneaking music that happens is like just, it's in my nightmares. Um, there was like elephant people that would just punch me when I was trying to get out of prison. It was weird. It was a good game and I have a lot of nostalgia attached to it, but I can't properly put my two cents in because I never actually played like the full game or number two. Yeah. But I, I remember, yeah. It was just weird. Yeah, if they, if I mean, especially the first one, because you start off in prison and you have to escape, which already doesn't paint the main hero in a good light. Um, but he, I guess it, it's just, yeah, it's bizarre. I don't, I would wish I could put into words why I enjoyed this Well, I, I just tried to look at the synopsis for the first one, and honestly, I got to like the second sentence and I was like, what are you even saying? I mean, to I this day, make I don't think... I even under, really understand the story that happens. All I know is some aliens come down and um, I think, spoiler alert, it turns out to be the evil guy from the first game that's the evil guy in the second game. Which didn't make a whole bunch of sense to me because I don't think I ever played the first one as a kid. So I was just like, well, that's a bit of an anticlimax. But I don't think it, it took me a good long few years to get there. And I think, actually, I probably only finished the game when I was older. Um but I do often replay it. It's one of the games from that era that I replay now every so often and I get a craving to kind of go, like even talking about it now, I can picture quite vividly um, a lot of the maps and a lot of the areas in my head and I really want to go and play it. Um, the voices were weird, weren't they? The, the voices the voice were weird. The voice acting, but it was kind of good because not a lot of stuff had, I think, voice acting. And I think for the time when I was playing it, um, walking around a town and talking to people um, and each of them having their own voice and something to say was quite novel and quite different um, because I didn't have uh, my like PlayStation at that point. So gaming on these things were really all I had. I think this was the only uh, kind of adventure game like this in a 3D world that I had. So to feel like the world was quite alive was quite nice. So I'm currently watching a video of... Um... Double Planet 2 and I was just reminded about how sometimes he looks like he's drunk when he's walking along um, and also <laughs> I think I didn't realise how traumatised I was by the elephants I think yeah you've mentioned them twice now these yeah uh, tell us really more about me. issues for I elephants. don't know I just remember getting punched by the elephants yeah look there's a bit, yeah he's punching me well I say me it's not really me um, <laughs> just instantly <laughs> taken back to this moment to be fair I think I do remember um if you're wandering around your town it just, just randomly the... someone just punches you in the face yeah. it's an elephant yeah this is true and i mean those guys have got some big fists because i also remember like there's a death scene in the first one where when you die i remember like you're in an office and you're like cowering in the corner and it might have been an elephant that comes in it might not have been but i just remember it being really disturbing I'm gonna in your mind you're all elephants no I, I don't think that kind of thing existed in the second one it was kind of like um 
I think you just had like a normal death animation and it said game over and everything kind of faded to black. But I do remember talking of elephants, you've reminded me now, when you're in the starting town area, if you, I think if you attack one of the elephants or annoy them, uh, they will start attacking you and they will kill you pretty quickly. Like they hit really hard. So although not like the first one where you're in prison escaping and they have like not a reason to They're be almost you, like the guards, but I a think. little bit more sense. Yeah, like that makes sense. But I think it also makes more sense of when you punch an elephant man in the face for no reason, he's gonna get a bit pissed and oh, punch I you didn't back. Do that. That's true. You didn't play the second one. But I did. Yeah. And then so that one's my own fault. My bad, Elephant Man. Sorry, Baba. <laughs> I'm surprised I like elephants so much to this day. Yeah, they're your favourite. I know. Does none of this make any sense? No. But yeah, I mean, good pick. I would have probably put that in my top five weirdest games of all time list. I know, you have such a weird traumatised memory of this, but for me, it's a big nostalgic thing that I used to play, and um, I love, and I still play now. Talking of voice acting, actually, I found out who did the voices for um, Twinson. So his name is uh, David Gassman, and he is a really big voice actor. He's done lots and lots of stuff. Um, and the only other voice that really... There was lots of like little voices in quite a lot of big games. He's done like voices in Detroit and Beyond Two Souls. What? But mostly like side characters and things like this. Like no oh. one you would really pinpoint. But he does the voice of Rayman in Rayman 2 and Rayman Origins. Uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Even though Rayman doesn't really talk very much, he's got little, you know, characteristic noises that he makes that I can picture in my head when I think of Rayman. Um, so I thought that was a pretty cool link. Um, that he's been around, you know, doing voice acting for games for that long. That's thinking cool. that this was, you know, 2000, not 2000, 1997, in fact, back in the 90s. Another fact that I found about this game was that he was big in France. This game, uh, obviously, Adeline Software uh, is a developer who is... Uh, in France, it was France-based, French-based, French, something to do with one of those terms. Um, and it, I think it sold the most in France. So it's well known in France, but if you go to like America or something, it's like an odd game that a few people will know. Whereas over uh, in France, like most kids and stuff will know it if you talk to them apparently. Because it sold so well, um, just because that's where it was, you know, that's nationally where it was from which I thought was quite cool. And the other fact, and my final fact of this list, is that it was the runner-up to the Computer Gaming Awards 1997, um, and it lost to my favourite game in the whole wide world, Curse of Monkey Island. Uh, So I'm like, I'm okay with it losing, because it lost to my other favourite game. And I will say, the reason I have not mentioned Monkey Island um, in this list is because I'd pick all of them, and my whole top five would just be all the Monkey Island games, um, you know, one to three. Um, and I controlled myself and I thought, you people have probably heard enough about Monkey Island, so I'm going to talk about some other games. Um, so really, my list is a little bit skewed, but without Monkey Island existence, Little Big Adventure 2 would be my favourite game from the 90s. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. I think they would be happy to know that they won against someone in the, in regards to Monkey Island. Like, you know, oh, they yeah. beat Monkey Island at, you know, in Steph's, Steph's top five, yeah, 20 in years a later. world, they won. I'll write to them and see what they say. Yeah. I'm sure they'd love to hear it. I feel like we should start just adding studios and see yeah. if anyone exists. I agree. No one will listen to us, but... No, they don't. We have, like, no. two. 
to the listeners. <laughs> we like them. We appreciate you. Yeah. Whoever you are. Wherever you may be. So what is your number one, Nikki? Sorry, that was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I thought, I, I thought I'd swiftly you. move you off that. <laughs> Nikki's getting too attached. <laughs> She's going to hunt you down. She'll find you. I'll she put you find in my dungeon those with my toilets. Oh, my and toilet casino. dungeon. And oh, like, no. At least you get a casino. <laughs> yeah, this is true. But she will leave the puke everywhere and make yep. you poop for her to watch. Yep. Um, This one is not a... Sorry, we're going to spy number one now. Um, This one is not a simulator game, which is good because I'm pretty sure... Yep. Well, apart from Discord, they were all pretty simulatory. Yep. This game is a game that started my love for the Fallout universe, which is Fallout 2. And I did play Fallout 1, but I don't remember it as much as Fallout 2. So Fallout 2 is another one of those games that I found on the family computer that I shouldn't have played at my age. Um, But I loved it and I fell in love with it without even really knowing what I was playing. Um, It only sort of occurred to me later on, I think, when I picked up Fallout 3 and I was like, oh, like I recognise some of these things without really knowing. And then, yeah, I think I played at such a young age that I knew I loved like post-apocalyptic worlds, but I just wasn't quite aware. Anyway, so for anyone that doesn't know, um, Fallout 2 was obviously... Um, one of the predecessors to the later series. Um, it was a top-down, turn-based role-playing game that was set in, like, open world. And it was post-nuclear as well, so post-apocalyptic. And it was developed by Black Isle Studios and published by Interplay Productions in September 1998. Um, the game story basically takes place in 2241, which not too far away now. No, it's clear now. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's pretty far away, but um, doesn't seem doesn't seem so far away now. We'll um, be old. Yeah, we'll be dead. It's fine. <laughs> oh God, are we only living to? Well, no, 50? it's two thousand two hundred and forty-one. Oh, two thousand. I thought you said two thousand and forty-one. No, two thousand two hundred and forty-one. I mean, we could be alive if they invent things to keep us alive. Maybe we'll be fingers in, crossed in jars. See you there. We'll still see we doing our podcast. In I hope we. Ne- <laughs> I hope we're next to each other in our jars. Well, I don't. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> um, anyway, in 2241, when me and Steph are in jars, it, it takes place 80 years after the events of the first Fallout game and 104 years after the war. It basically tells the story of the original hero's descendant, which from the first one, and their quest to basically help their village um, by use of the Garden of Eden creation kit, or well, in brackets, Gek. Um, the village elder basically asks you to save everybody because you know, I guess you're just a good guy. Um, the Gek can basically save you from starvation and dehydration because I think your village is pretty fucked. Um, you're given a vault dweller's jumpsuit, a pit boy, and a flask and some cash. I think a spear as well. Um, and that's nice. about it. And I remember the beginning of this game quite vividly, probably because I never really got that far in it, so I'd always just start again. <laughs> So probably just die because uh, it was really hard and I even tried to play it later on in life and I remember just being like shit how did I get that far in this game this is difficult like you walk into like the desert and there's like a fucking rad scorpion and it hits you once and that's it oh man yeah yeah that's not a fun time <laughs> but it was a really good game um, general gameplay was kind of just like as you'd get in any kind of like RPG open world you know you walk around kill things interact with the local inhabitants and uh, and just complete general goals with the aid of NPCs or well if they want to help you um, the players actions basically dictate what future you're going to have in the game 
Uh, the game has a lot of mature themes that a young Nikki should not have been exposed to. Yeah, such I do as know that about that game. <laughs> alcohol consumption, drug usage, prostitution, slavery. It's all it's all in there. All of your favourite things. Poor little brain to try and comprehend. <laughs> <laughs> Taught me a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it was good. I loved it. And it, I you know, I didn't care that it was like a bit naughty. I mean to be fair, I think one day that someone actually did find me playing it and they were like, shit. What have we done? <laughs> well, she's she's been exposed now. We might as well just leave her to there's it. No go, there's no going back. Yeah, it's all she knows. In she knows the ways time. of the world now. <laughs> but yeah, I just I really enjoyed it. It was a really interesting theme to a game that I'd never quite seen before. It was I just I've always loved post apocalyptic kind of games and kind of anything like that. Really, it's always been a love of mine. I think that is where it started. But it's where a lot yeah. of the the Fallout things started. You know, like you have like dog meat in there. And all of like all of like the themes you have from the Fallout games now started in those games. So you know, I love Bethesda, but I think people forget that the game started way back when. You know, with with different different companies, and it was originally always you know the things that are really yeah. important now started back then. I don't think people realise that all the time. It was a very different game as well. The first two compared mm. to uh, what three and four? Yeah. Same kind of precedent, though. Yeah, like, you can get the feeling. It's impressive that, you know, you keep the same feeling in the same world and all this kind of thing. But in general, like, the way that it plays, and I don't... I find the humour in 2 a little bit more prevalent than I do in oh yeah 3 and 4, which I kind of appreciate a little bit more, I think. But uh, I think it might also just be the type of gameplay and stuff that you I have also in. think it was the developers, because yeah. it was done by Black Isle, and interplay productions which i don't think i don't think i mean i could be completely wrong on this i'm not an expert but i don't know if they really have much to do with three onwards because i think they kind of gave up their rights to it i think yeah they sold it off as far as i'm aware as i said i don't really know so maybe that's got something to do with it because there was a mm. lot of there was a lot of references like topical references in in one and two that i would you do get some references and stuff, I think, in, like, three. Like, there'll be, like, little sort of, like, Easter eggs in there. But it was a lot more prevalent in one and two, you are right. Yeah. Because I struggle with three and four through just, you know, my own personal things with games more than, you know, that I have an mm. issue with the game as a whole. But um, from what I have played of two, which is not a huge amount, but I got on a lot better with that um, than Fair I have enough. done. But I think it's a... The, the gameplay as a whole as opposed to the themes and that kind of thing because obviously i liked i love the idea of fallout um and the theme and you know the setting and all that kind of stuff in it quite a lot um yeah i do like it i really enjoyed like the talk when you could talk to someone and their like face would come up on the screen and obviously you'd have like the dialogue box at the bottom and like i think it was in two where like might have been one as well i can't remember but like their faces i remember there was a super mutant that you talked to i think like the mayor of a town or something and their faces would sort of like move in real time. And I remember I found that really cool because it made it seem mm. like you were actually talking to like a real person. Because yeah. they were... Which sort is of, like, amazing that that's that something that we're now like... At the time you were just like, wow, that was so cool. Like, I love it. I get that oh, yeah. sense of it across. And I think if you suggested that now, people would just be like, mm. what the hell? It's just a talking, you know, moving head in time with some sounds. But yeah. it was enough back then. I think as well, like, our generation is, well, I say our generation, but generations above us as well, and some, like, below, really kind of, you know, went through this huge transitional period of 
being from what games were when they started to what they are now and it's insane like that's when you think back to nostalgic games and you look at the time i thought that was like real life like it looked so realistic and then you look at games now and you're just like how did i ever think that that was amazing and i think it's i think it's a good thing but i think it's a bad thing because to be in that transitional period between like games when they were like pong to what they are now it's kind of mind-blowing yeah. and i don't know yeah it's cool but also terrifying in a weird way yeah, like the internet. Like, I remember when the internet started, like, to an extent, where we everyone first started getting computers and how different it is, to, like, to what it is now. And, it, like, phones as well are just, like, fuck. Yeah, which is, like, what you say about walkthroughs. Walkthroughs are such a, an interesting thing now. It's, like, if you were stuck in a game, you know, when we, when we first started out gaming, it was, like, you were stuck there. That was it. It's, like, yeah. maybe when the internet came around, you could run down to your computer, dial up all the tone, get on the internet check the one section that you needed to maybe you'd read it maybe you'd print out like mm. one page because the otherwise they were like game facts yeah that's what i remember and they were using. like pages and pages of long of text just text like no images just all text that people had captured oh and then you'd print them out as well yeah and then you have like, these giant logs of stuff and you get yelled at because you've used all the printer paper and ink to print out you know a bunch of words that you would just read to try and get you through that section but it's like it was a lot of effort to try and you know do that you see most of the time you're just sat there trying to work it out yourself i'll tell you what i do remember as well is it was some like mega drive games i remember this was at a point where the internet wasn't really a thing you would actually have to phone someone there'd be like helpline numbers yeah in all the back of like yeah uh, magazines and stuff you'd find all the game yeah game shark i remember kind of toe jam and earl being stuck on it and going into like the manual and there was like an option at the back to phone the UK line to get help with yeah. Kojama now. I remember just like, <laughs> like as an in-game help, I was like, this is nuts. Yeah. There's someone, there's someone there just like, yeah, <laughs> by a just, phone. Just to guide you through Kojama. Man, can you imagine that world now? Be great. Yeah. Hello, Doris. I'm stuck again. <laughs> Tell me how oh, to get through the dungeon. Damn it, Kevin. <laughs> I've been that way, Kevin. Shut your face. <laughs> Don't call me again, Doris. You bitch. Fucking Doris. I think she knows all the answers. <laughs> I know. Anyway, we're totally off track here. Fallout. <laughs> yeah. Good game. Um, yes. It was a really good game. Um, probably one of the... F- I want to say one of the first RPGs I played. Probably was, maybe. Baldur's Gate is a really good game that I also played. That was my... used to be yeah. my number one on my list a day ago. It's not anymore. Um, I love Baldur's Gate, but Fallout, yeah. Fallout stole the top spot. Um, but it was that kind of RPG that I remember playing when I was younger. That they were probably like my first kind of real introductions to, to proper RPGs. But anyway, um, I've got some facts because we don't want to keep everyone here all day. Yeah. Um, so one of my facts is at the game's launch party, a promotional item was Gecko in a can were given out. So this was actually a plush gecko in a can designed to appear as if it was food intended for consumption. Um, but the original plan was actually to have a dog meat in a can, but no suitable dog plush could be found. Which I thought it was a good thing because yeah. putting dog meat in a can might people think that you want to actually eat the dog. Whereas apparently eating gecko is much more, you know, Yeah, everyone's normal. okay with eating the geckos. Apparently. Um, Delicious little <laughs> with salmonella. So speaking of like, what is the word? Is it media references? Pop culture. There you go. Pop, speaking yeah. of Fallout and pop culture references, um, there is many. And I must tell you, there is many Star Trek references. Oh my goodness. I've only picked one because there was loads. And this was the funniest yeah. one. 
So apparently Marcus, the super mutant sheriff of Broken Hills, will sometimes shout, I am not a merry mutant when he's hit in combat. So Marcus is voiced by Michael Dorn, who is best known for playing Worf from Star Trek mm-hmm. The Next Generation. Yeah. And the phrase is from the say is from an episode in which somebody forced somebody to basically play in a recreation of Robin Hood. Um and so basically he protests by yelling, I am not a merry man. So him by him yelling, I'm not a merry mutant, it's apparently a reference to that. Which I thought was funny, because it's the same guy. It is a so. good it's a good it's a good link. Yeah, which I thought, you know, you would appreciate all the Star Trek shit. Um, I do. Have you ever seen Worf in his little um, Merry Man outfit? I think I might have done. It's red and just brilliant. Yeah. So another pop culture reference is to do with a special encounter in which a player can come across a whale's corpse in the middle of the desert. Uh, The description on the whale itself says, This whale appears to have fallen from a great height. And next to the whale's corpse is a box containing a flower pot of daisies. Aww. So this is a reference to the book The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, in which a pair of nuclear missiles were transformed midair by an infinite improbability drive, turning them into sperm whales. I was going to say, I like the fact that I've got a daisies. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was good. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Um, and there is another reference here as well, which is a... An encounter where you find a bridge keeper who will only let you pass after answering three questions correctly. If you answer any of them incorrectly, you die. Uh, this is a reference to the bridge keeper scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yep. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Three colours. What is your favourite <laughs> colour? So I enjoy a game that, that has a lot of Easter eggs and references in it. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's always a good sign yeah, that's that's my number one. Man, that, and that marks the end of our list then. It does. We have delved deep into the 90s. We have. We've gotten our we've gotten in up to our elbows in 90s stuff and I have very much appreciated it. I have. I don't want to go back to the real world. I just want to go play the hospital and watch people poop. Uh, yeah, right now I am about to, before I go to bed, download a bunch of these games that we've been talking about because... I need to go on GOG and I need all of them now. I'd like to know if you can still access pets because I'd totally be into that. Yeah, pets is the one I'm most interested in trying to get because ever since you mentioned it, I've just I've just been searching. I've just been scouring the internet for it. Um, which reminds me, have you got any honourable mentions on your list? Oh, shit. That we can run through very quickly. Yes. <laughs> totally forgot about those. Oh, who am I? Um, so while we're talking about pets, you reminded me halfway through that I need to put someone on my uh, honourable mentions list. And the first one is called Pet 3D Pets. So it was very much based on the pets with the Z, but this was 3D Pets with an S. Um, and it was like a collection of discs. Um, and I had a dog one. There was also a cat one, I think. But I also had an alien one where it was a tiny alien baby that ran around in a weird shell um and pooped himself quite a lot and i'd never understood what i was doing or how to look after these things and i'm pretty sure these pets could die as well if you didn't look after them properly um good life i think it was quite dark in that respect but it was great uh same with creatures do you remember creatures on the same kind of line i never knew what i was doing in that game at all creatures was my backup i had facts Mm. ready they'll Ah. be hidden for now maybe one day they'll come out yeah maybe we'll talk Um, about creatures at some point because i do remember enjoying it but i don't remember knowing what i was doing it's very interesting. Uh, I will explain one day, hopefully. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Um, uh, my other two um, that I'm going to very much 
that I'm going to very mention quickly, I'm going to mention very quickly, <laughs> are uh, Commandos behind em- Enemy Lines. I've lost the ability to speak. Um, this was a game that was kind of like a top-down, um, I guess, half-stealth, half-mission strategy game. It was great. You controlled um, different commandos either was like mostly three or four um and you had to like it set you like tasks um and missions um it was kind of like point and click but it was great and if you want to look up a youtube clip of it i would do because it's a really interesting game um and the other one is incredible machine 2 which is kind of like a puzzle game that i had a really old one on um like dos my dos box machine um, and you basically made oh, there's a special word for them I can't remember it right now but it's where you make the contraptions where you set off something and then it does like different things and it kind of like <laughs> like a Brexit machine and there's a special word a for Brexit them a Brexit machine? no wow. a Brexit stuff you about <laughs> Brexit before it even happened there's a Brexit machine did you press the Brexit machine is that why we're in Brexit now? no I didn't I didn't accidentally set off the Brexit machine god damn it the breakfast machine is a different <laughs> thing that I meant to press instead of the Brexit machine. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's just one of those contraptions that you set off and like you, and it does lots of things. Um, and you basically make those and it was great. And that's the end of my thing. Sweet. Can I mention mine? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Baldur's Gate, as I mentioned before. Age of Empires. Addictive game. Um, the Sims as well. Rollercoaster nice. Tycoon. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I love a simulator. That was a yep. good game. Neopets doesn't really count as a game, but I'm just going to mention it. Great, um, great time. Windows Movie Maker. Again, doesn't Simpsons really count as a movie game, maker. But I liked it. it does. It does. <laughs> Windows Movie Maker, Simpsons Movie Maker, uh, Virtual Springfield was also a great game. Um, Half Life. And oh, yeah. I also just want to give a shout out to my main man from the 90s, Bonsai Buddy. Do you remember Me. Bonsai Buddy? I don't remember Bonsai Buggy. He was a purple gorilla. And apparently he was malware, but who cares? <laughs> Nick, you just left everything on the computer. Um, if you, if you, oh. if you Google Bonsai Buddy, you'll understand. Basically, he was a purple gorilla that spoke to you, kind of like the paperclip in Word, and he would sing your songs and you could make him say things. Just wanted to mention him. I like it. Um, oh, I had one one more. Lego Island. Do you ever play Lego Island? That was no. great. There was a pizza-stealing man. Um, and <laughs> the name of the machine is a Rube Goldberg machine. And is a machine intentionally designed to perform a simple task in an indirect and overcomplicated fashion. I thought I you said Goldbloom, but you didn't, did you? I didn't. You're just obsessed with Goldbloom. Just look I at just... the calendar I got you for Christmas. It'll be fine. <laughs> I just hear Goldberg and I hear Goldbloom. You hear what you want when it's gold bloom. Yeah, so Seth made me a, a gold bloom calendar and it has pictures of him for every day of the every day of the month. Every, every day. day of the month, sorry, that would be a big calendar. That'd be a every... shit ton of gold bloom. <laughs> I don't know enough gold bloom. This is true. That's my task for next year. I'm gonna see if I can top your calendar. Every day of gold bloom. <laughs> wow. Um And on that yeah. precious note, we should probably end this overly long and complicated password password of the 90s what is wrong with me it's your bedtime it is it's bed um but this has been a very long episode so if you're still here you're welcome (laughs) what she means to say is i'm sorry and we're leaving now and congratulations you don't win anything it was a lie so you can follow us at all our normal channels on uh, at game till five on twitter 
We also have a website, uh, gottill5.com forward slash game till five. Ignore all the got till five stuff. That's just a wrestling podcast we have nothing to do with. We um, don't know them. Yeah, we have no idea who those Max and Jesse people are. Um, and you can follow me on uh, Twitter or Instagram if you want at uh, M. Uh, with three F's, and you can follow Nikki or her good stuff and her cosplaying adventures at Elite Cat with two E's, just to be awkward. Yeah, uh, and I would do because she recently got tweeted and thinged at Gearbox and all those fancy things because she's fancy oh, and good thanks. at Borderlands cosplay. You're welcome. Um, so I'm gonna say good night to you now, Nikki, because it's bedtime and I'm done with the nineties. I'm not. But good night. No. Good night.